ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له اشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلوات الله وسلامه عليه اما بعد يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارham ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله واحسن الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار ثم أما بعد الحمد لله على نعمة الإسلام والسنة All praise and thanks belong to Allah for guiding us to Islam and for guiding us to the Sunnah حدثني جماعة من الشيوخ بإسناد كل إلى سفيان بن عيينة عن عمرو بن دينار عن ابي قابوس مولى عبد الله بن عمرو عن عبد الله بن عمرو بن عاص رضي الله تعالى عنهما انه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الراحمون يرحمهم الرحمن ارحموا من في الارض يرحمكم من في السماء the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم يسال الشمن الحديث that those who are merciful they will be shown mercy by the most merciful be merciful and show mercy to those who are in the earth and the one who is above the heavens he will show you mercy the ulama they mention this is because knowledge is mercy the result of knowledge is mercy here in this world and the ultimate goal of knowledge is mercy in the hereafter. It is incumbent that we are diligent in the seeking of knowledge because the seeking of knowledge and the attainment of knowledge and having understanding of the religion then this is a sign that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intends good for the servant. As the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said man yuridillahu bihi khayran yufaqihu fi din that whoever Allah wants good for then he gives them understanding of the religion so those whom Allah ta'ala he wants good for he gives them understanding of the religion and having understanding of the religion then this is by seeking knowledge with knowledge indama al-ilm barely knowledge knowledge is attained by seeking it naam by seeking it ta'allum knowledge is attained by seeking it 
So we have to seek knowledge, we have to put forth those efforts in order to learn about our religion. The ulama they mention as relates to the aforementioned hadith, مَا يُرِدِ اللَّهُ بِهِ خَيْرًا يُفَقِّهُ فِي الدِّينِ That whoever Allah was good for, He gives them understanding of the religion. They say this is because الْجَزَامِ مِنْ جِنْسِ الْعَمَلِ that an individual will be rewarded based upon the action that they put forward. They want it good for themselves, so they put forth the effort in trying to learn the religion. So therefore, Allah Ta'ala, He blesses them to attain uh, that which they sought after, learning the religion, and they, by way of that, they gain understanding. They want it good for themselves. So Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, He blesses them, uh, and what's good for them. And the opposite also. مَنْ لَا يُرِدِ اللَّهُ بِهِ خَيْرًا لَا يُفَقِّهُ فِي الدِّينِ That whoever Allah does not want good for, He does not give them understanding of the religion. The ulama they mention, they say, likewise, this is because الْجَزَاءِ مِنْ جِنْسِ amal That the punishment is in accordance to the crime. This individual they did not want good for themselves. So therefore, they never made any attempts to learn the religion. They never made any attempts to study the religion and to gain understanding of the religion. So because they never sought knowledge, and thus they never attained knowledge and never attained understanding, then they did not want good for themselves. They showed that they didn't want good for themselves. And they don't want good for themselves. Thus, Allah Ta'ala does not want good for them. So it is incumbent that we, we seek knowledge. The, the great Imam, Imam al-Nawi, rahimahullah ta'ala, he continues and goes on to mention the next hadith in his tremendous book, a collection of a hadith. And this is the hadith and Abil Abbas, Sahal bin Sa'id. Asadi Sahal bin Sa'ad Asa'idi Radiyallahu ta'ala Anhu Qal Ja'a rajulun ila nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Faqal That a man came to the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam And he said Ya Rasulullah A messenger of Allah Dullani ala amalin Iza amiltuh أحببني الله وأحببني الناس. He said, "O Messenger of Allah, point me to an action that, if I do it, Allah will love me, and the people will love me." So this is tremendous. دلني على عمل. Point me to an action إذا عملته. That if I did it, and in that there is a lot of benefit because the Sahaba. They used to seek knowledge in order to act in accordance to it. So he said, point me to an action that if I do it, that if I do it, that if I do it, Allah will love me and the people will love me. So the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Izhad fi dunya have zuhud in the dunya. And inshallah ta'ala we will come to see what is the meaning of zuhud. Have zuhud 
as relates to the dunya, Allah, and Allah will love you. Wazhad fima nas, nas, and have zuhud as relates to what is with the people, meaning their possessions, and the people will love you. This hadith is Hassan, Rawahu ibn Majah, wa ghayruhu Hasana. Imam Ibn Majah and other than him, they narrate this hadith with chains that are good. Firstly, as the Allama Muhaddith al Madina, Al Shaykh Abdul Muhsin Al Abad Al Badr, he mentions, Ashab Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ahras al Nasu ala kulli khayr. He said that the companions of the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam wa Radiallahu Ta'ala Anhum wa Arubahum, they were the most diligent of the people as relates to every good. They were the most diligent of the people as relates to that which is good. Wa asbaqun nas in a kulli khayr. And they were the first of the people to reach and attain everything that is good. So as relates to this ummah, they were the most diligent of this ummah in seeking after that which is good. And there's not a single thing that is good except that they beat us to it. They beat us in doing it. وَقَدْ حَرَسَ هَذَا الصَّحَابِي And this Sahabi, he was very diligent على معرفة ما يجلب له محبة الله ومحبة الناس. This Sahabi, he was diligent in learning. What is it that will attain for me the love of Allah and by way in which I could attain the love of the people. This is a great and tremendous aspiration that Allah loves you and that the people love you. Naam? This is a great aspiration. And in that, it shows that we should strive to do that which is pleasing unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And likewise, we should strive to be in good standing with the people. Naam? We should strive to be in good standing with the people as much as possible, right? Meaning that we shouldn't have a 100% of the time the attitude that I'm going to do what is right and whatever it takes, whatever it means to do it, then that's, that's what I'm going to do. I don't care who likes it or doesn't like it, right? Because as the old folks say, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. So the Muslim is one who he strives to do what is correct, but in a manner in which that will not cause a disturbance to the people. Right? So, and I'll give you a very practical example. There was an individual at a time, and it was on a layover, and they were on a plane, and it was time for prayer. And lack of understanding of the religion will bring rigidness. It results in rigidness, right? This individual, all he understood was, I have to pray. That's all he understood. I have to pray. So, and he had the mentality, I have to pray because this is going to be pleasing to Allah by any means necessary. And I don't care who I infringe upon. I don't care who I make uncomfortable. I'm going to pray. So he stood up in the aisle. And the airplane is only one aisle. He stood up in a, and there's a smaller plane, so it was only one, one aisle. He stood in the aisle and he prayed. And as the stewardess came to try to... Mind you now, we're on a Muslim airline, so it's not like they didn't understand. Right? And the layover was in Kuwait. So we're sitting there on a, on, a, on a tarmac in Kuwait. It was a type of layover that you don't get off the plane. 
right? He stood in the aisle, he started to pray. So as the flight attendants are trying to come to him to tell him, Allah, go, you know, pray sitting down or stand as much as you can, like in your seat. And then for the rest of the movement, sit down. They try and explain to him. He just puts his hand up, blocks everybody, prays his whole prayer, tests him out like, yeah, I did something good, right? And he caused a disturbance of the people. Now, of course, we know um, doing a thing like this, then this is not correct. It's not correct. For him, he should have stayed in his seat, stood up, because you fear a lot to add to the best of your ability. So as far as standing, he can stand, right? But then when it comes to the other positions of the prayer, you sit down, make rukur, make sujood, so on and so forth. This is what he should have done, but he didn't do it. Because his attitude was, I'm going to do what I have to do, and I don't care who likes it. Now, so we should be mindful. We should be mindful to not do things to the best of our ability, to the best of our ability, that will not cause any type of, uh, of disturbance. Now, of course, there may be situations where you have an individual that wants to prevent you from doing what is correct. So yes, at times you have this attitude, I'm going to do what is right, whether you like it or not, right? For those individuals who are trying to fight you as it relates to doing what is correct. But this is not necessarily always the attitude we should have because as much as possible, we should try to do things that are in good taste and good standing um, as it relates to the people as much as possible without violating any of the rules and regulations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ala kulli hal. So he asked this question because he wanted to know what should I do to attain the love of the people uh, as well. Naam. So he said, Dullani ala amanin. So point me to an action either I meant to that if I do it, Ahabani Allahu wa ahabani Allah wa ahabani nas. That if I do it, Allah will love me and the people will love me. So the Prophet he told him to have zuhud. Naam. Izhad. Zuhud, the meaning of it in the language, it means taruk. So the Prophet ﷺ is telling him, dunya. Leave the dunya, leave off the dunya, and Allah will love you. Allah. Now it's important to know what does this mean? Leave the dunya, and Allah will love you. Right? Because in essence, this is the, the literal meaning of it. Leave the dunya, and Allah will love you. So we know zuhud. And um, those individuals who are very pious and you know modest, they don't take a lot from the world, so on and so forth, right? This is the first thing that comes to mind when we think of zuhud, correct? But what is zuhud? It's a, it's a comment that we know what is zuhud, and it's important to know it. Why? Because if we practice zuhud, Allah will love us. Naam. So the the Fadil al-Sheikh he mentions he says. بَيَّنَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ أَنَّ مَحَبَّةُ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلْ تُحَصَّلُ بِالزُّهِدْ فِي الدُّنْيَا He said that the Prophet ﷺ, he explained that the attainment of the love of Allah is done by having zuhud in the dunya. Now zuhud in the dunya, it means what? Zuhud, we leave off the dunya. Naam? Utrik dunya Leave off dunya. Naam? But what does that mean? The Shaykh mentions, he says, وَأَحْسَنُ مَا قِيلُ فِي بَيَانِ الْمُرَادِ بِالزُّهُدِ فِي الدُّنْيَا He said it in the best of what has been said as mentioned to the definition of zuhud, which, yani, the manner in which we leave off the dunya, that it is تَرْكُ الْإِنسَانِ كُلَّ مَا يَشْغُلُهُ 
individual they leave off everything that preoccupies them from Allah everything that preoccupies them and that distracts them from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that they leave these things off now that this is what is zuhud others in the ulama they mention that the meaning of zuhud that it is tark ma la yanfa'uka fil akhirah it means you leave alone that which does not benefit you in the hereafter that you leave off those things that will not benefit you in the hereafter and i want you to keep these definitions in mind because there is a um, a great understanding that's connected to these things right and there is a a, a a misconception that people may have as relates to who is the zahid who is the one who practices zuhud and what does zuhud look like and how does that translate into our everyday life this definition tarq to leave off yani, that an individual leaves off because maybe we said that zuhud the meaning of zuhud is tarq to abandon something or to leave something so it is mentioned as it has come inside of uh, the explanation of this hadith by Imam Ibn Rajab in his tremendous book where he explains these hadith that we are going over Jami'an al-Ulum al-Hikam that it means that an individual will leave off those things that will preoccupy them from the remembrance of Allah they abandon these things Naam Wa'an Abi Sulaiman Ad-Darani he mentions فَقَالَ قَالَ أَبُو سُلَيْمَانِ الدَّارَمِي الدَّارَنِي اختلفوا اختلفوا علينا في الزهد بالعراق He said that in Iraq we had some differences of opinion as relates to what is zuhud نعم that in Iraq we had some differences of opinion as relates to the definition of zuhud نعم فَمِنْهُمْ And inshallah ta'ala, we give you these just so you, يعني, you know in bab ilm al-shayt so that you know what is mentioned as relates to what is a zuhud and then when you go back to the best of what was mentioned as uh, the shaykh he mentions that Imam uh, al-Hafiz uh, ibn Rajab he mentions then we will understand why this is the best of what is meant or, or what is mentioned he said that there has some difference of opinion in Iraq as relates to what is the meaning of zuhud naam so some of them they said الزهد يعني في الترك لقاء الناس the zuhud it means staying away from the people that this is zuhud that a person he avoids the people right ومنهم and from them من قال it was those who said في الترك الشهوات the zuhud it means you leave off your lowly desires this is what zuhud means you leave off lonely desires so now there's two definitions some said you leave off the people right others said no you leave off your your vain desires women whom I'm called in front of them there were those who say that zuhud means that you never eat to your full you never eat to your full Naam. and then the sheikh he mentions the imam he, uh, he mentions he says what kalamuhum he said in all of their statements, they're very similar, they're very close in meaning, right? They're very near to one another, right? Leaving off the people. And what they mean by leaving off the people, they mean leaving off excessive mixing with the people. 
any excessive, unnecessary mixing with the people, right? This is uh, zuhud. Others said, no, zuhud, it means that you leave off your vain desires. Others said, no, zuhud, it means you leave off eating to your full. So you leave, you, you leave off over-satiation, right? You leave off over-satiation. So when you look at that, leaving off over-satiation, leave off yani, um, eating a lot, drinking a lot, so on and so forth, this kind of enters into leaving off your, your lowly and vain desires, right? So this is what he said. All of these kind of, they're all similar in, 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 uh, in their meaning, in their near meaning to one another. He said, وَأَنَا أَذْهَبُوا إِلَىٰ أَنَّ الزُّهُدْ فِي التَّرْكِ مَا يَشْغَلُكَ عَنِ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلُ He said, and I go with the opinion that zuhud is that you leave off that which will preoccupy you from the remembrance of Allah. The zuhud, it is that you will leave off that which will preoccupy you from the remembrance of Allah. وَهَذَا الَّذِي قَالَهُ أَبُوْ سُلَيْمَانِ حَسَنٌ he said, He said, And that of which Abu Sulaiman said, this is good. He said, Why? He said, Because He said, Because this combines all of the different branches of Zuhud and all of the different different types and categories of zuhud, it brings it all together. That you leave off those things that will preoccupy you from the um, remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, Shaykh Fozan, he mentions that as zuhud, he says, يعني أترك ما لا حاجة لك به That you leave off that which you don't need. Naam, that you leave off that which you don't need. He said, was zuhud, he said, uh, excuse me, فَلَيْسَ zuhud tark الْمُبَاحَاتِ أَلَّتِي تَحْتَاجُهَا أَنْتَ وَأَوْلَادَكَ He said, and zuhud is not that you leave off those halal and permissible things that you or your children need. He said, that's not zuhud. Zuhud, it means you leave off those things that you don't need, Right? Um, and it is not from zuhud that you leave off those things that you need or you leave off those things that your children need. That's not zuhud. Zuhud is that you leave off those things in which you yourself do not need. Naam. So when you go back to the other definitions, for example, zuhud tark ma la yanfa'uka fil akhirah is that you leave off that which does not benefit you in the hereafter. When you reflect on that, you realize that a person could be a zahid and a person and, and at the same time be rich because zuhud is not connected to the things that you own or the amount of things that you own so you could be a zuhud you could be a zahid and be rich and you're still a zahid why because you're leaving alone those things that don't benefit you in the hereafter you're leaving alone those things uh, that you don't need right so you had from the Sahaba those who were rich. So does that mean that they were not Zahid? Right? Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, he was from the more affluent of the Sahaba. So because he had wealth, does that mean he wasn't a Zahid? No, not at all. Because he, he left off those things in which he didn't need. Right? He left off those things that did not benefit him in the hereafter. 
So leaving off things that don't benefit you in the hereafter, does that necessarily mean that you leave off money? Not necessarily. Why? Because if you use your money right, it can benefit you in the hereafter. Now, so Abu Bakr is Siddiq, from the ways in which he used his money, was that he emancipated Bilal. It required what? Wealth to emancipate a person that was enslaved. He was able to purchase, right? And then set him free, emancipate him. That requires what? Wealth. So, you can seek wealth if you're using it to benefit yourself and your family in this world and in the next. But if the seeking of wealth is just for the mere seeking of wealth and gathering of wealth just to compete with the Joneses and to have a bigger house and a bigger car and the end, the end, the end, the end up, then that's of no benefit. You might as well leave that alone. You don't need that. It's not benefiting you, right? But if you're seeking wealth because you would like to have the ability to fully fund you know, a school or an orphanage, right? Or you know, to uh, take care of the needs of the, of the masjid, for example, right? Then is there a problem in that? No. And if you sought wealth to spend it in the way of Allah, could you still be Zahid? Yeah, you can be a Zahid. So you can be one who, is, who practices Zuhud and you can be a millionaire. And you can still be one who practices Zuhud. Right? So this is important to know because, again, a lot of people have the misunderstanding that in order to be a Zahid, I have to be poor, I have to wear raggedy clothes, right? I have to, you know, only eat bread and only drink water, and so on and so forth. And it's not necessarily what you, yani, is needed to be a Zahid. And that's only once we understand exactly what is Zuhud. Naam. So, again... This is another illustration about that having uh, knowledge of the religion, it benefits you because now you won't infringe unnecessarily upon yourself or make things unnecessarily hard upon yourself, nor upon others. Now, like the, like the example from before, that brother who stood in the aisle and he prayed and he, you know, he held everything up, held everything up. So the, the plane was slightly delayed in cleaning and you know, uh, getting it ready for the new passages coming on, so on and so forth. Why? Because this person... He was not moving upon knowledge. This is what it means to have zuhud. You leave alone those things that do not benefit you in the hereafter. You leave alone those things that will distract you from the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you do that, Allah will love you. Allah will love you. So that is tremendous. And the statement of the Prophet وسلم, was had, uh, and leave alone that which the people have, and the people will love you. Naam. The Shaykh mentions, he says, He said, because people. They are very diligent. They work very hard. They strive hard over the gathering of wealth and the gathering of those things that they need, the commodities of the life of this world. Now, they strive after these things. And يعني, most of the people, you will find that with them, يعني, 
is that they, they are very stingy uh, or tight-fisted with that which they have with them and they're not generous as it relates to it, right? That they're very, they're watching over their earnings and watching over what they have and they're, you know, they're, they're not really uh, too concerned to share with others, <laughs> right? فَقَالَ اللَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى اللَّهُ تَعَالَى He says, فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ مَسْتَطَعْتُمْ And to fear Allah, fear Allah to the best of your ability. وَاسْمَعُوا وَأَطِيعُوا Hear and obey. وَأَنْفِقُوا خَيْرًا لِأَنْفُسِكُمْ And spend, from, يعني spend in the way of Allah and that is better for you. Spend in the way of Allah and that is better for you. وَمَنْ يُوْقَ شُحَّ نَفْسِهِ فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ And whoever is able to conquer the covetedness of their soul, then that, in those individuals, they are the successful. So the one who was able to conquer himself and conquer his covetedness and his stinginess, and yani, um, despite how much he doesn't really want to give, force himself to give and give and spend in the way of Allah, then these are the ones who are successful. Naam, these are the ones who are successful. So, there may be times where we hesitate. Right? So, I don't want you to feel bad because you hesitate. Because the evil of our souls, this is what they do. Right? Is, uh, yani, the, the, the evil of your soul, the whispers of shaitan, is always going to tell you, no, don't give because you might need. Don't give this, you might need that. Right? Shaitan always whispering like this, the evil of our souls, the stinginess, the covetousness of our souls is telling us, no, don't give, so we hesitate. Although, although, when we want that caffeinated beverage, right? This is what I call like them lattes, this, that, that, it's caffeinated beverage, right? Real coffee is just without all that other stuff. Alakulli <laughs> had, right? Them caffeine, you know, if you want that, you pick, you're putting $5 on that, $6 on that. No, put oat milk in it. Okay, that's another two dollars, right? They don't think about it because they want that. But then, to 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 give ten dollars piece of they start thinking, oh, maybe am I have enough money for lunch? And it, Subhanallah, really, <laughs> really, right? Alakulli uh, had. So shaitan comes. So we might we might hesitate. You might hesitate for a second. As don't feel bad as long as you overcome the hesitation. You say, I'm giving this for a long. Ten dollars, twenty dollars for a long. No problem. Right? $100 for Allah, no problem. According to your means, of course, you know. $100 to me, you know, feels like a lot. But maybe to a millionaire, that's nothing. That's like me spending $10 or $5 or a dollar. It's nothing. Right? So everyone to their ability. For the millionaire, maybe for him to give 10000 he might think about it. He might hesitate. You know, 100000 he might hesitate. Okay? Whatever your tax bracket is, whatever it is, your, your, you know, Hesitation, you might hesitate, but as long as you give it for Allah, right, then alhamdulillah, don't feel bad. But if you allow those whispers to make you not give anything, then yeah, you should feel bad about yourself. Allah Ta'ala, He says that the one who's able to conquer the covetedness of their soul, then these are the ones who are successful. Naam, these are the ones who are successful. Because the reality of it is, is that what you give for Allah is really the only thing that remains with you. What you eat, whatever you benefited from it, nutritionally, right? And however good it tastes, that's all you get from it. That's it, it's done. Right? 
Um, what you wear, you wear it until you wear it out. You get holes in it. You need to patch it up and stuff like that. And that's it. That's, that's all you get from it. That's it. Nothing else. What you spend for a lot, that's what you really own. That's your real ownership. Right? So that $100 that we were hesitating about, well, that's $100 is really what we own. The rest of the money and that we didn't give, we don't own that. Because the reality of it is, is that we're, gonna, we're gonna either going to give that to someone else for a commodity or we're going to hold on to it until we die. And then what's going to happen? The people who's alive are going to divide it amongst themselves. So we, we, didn't, we, we never really benefited from it. So we really never owned it. What we own is what we give for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what, we, that's what we own. And that's why those who, they conquer the covetousness of, the, of themselves and they spend in the way of Allah, those are the ones who are truly successful. So now imagine the millionaire who gives $100,000, $200,000 to build a school, to build a masjid, to build yani, an orphanage, so on and so forth. That one, he owns a lot. Right? And the, all the good that comes from that organization, that one owns a lot. So a person comes and he says, you know what? I would like to be like that. So you did what you had to do and you worked hard to become a millionaire. Is that bad? No. No. As long as the money is in your hand so you control it. Right? It's not in your heart. If it's in your heart, then it controls you. You start doing you know, all kinds of things to, 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 to get it. But if you fear Allah... And the money's in your hand, it's just a tool, and that's all it is. It's just a tool, then there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with uh, being wealthy and rich so that you can uh, spend in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And kulli hal, the people, the Shaykh he mentions, he says, لا يعجبهم من فيما عندهم. He says, the people, they, they're not too excited about the people who, are, you know, who, who like to have what they have. You know, you're not too excited about that. Right? Person comes in with, a, with something and everyone's like, oh, what's that? That's new? Let me see. Oh, and they, you know, that generally, typically, people, they don't like that. It's like, come on, stop. Right? Um, that's typically, people, they don't like people like this. Naam? Or the people who, what we say, nosy, nosy people, right? They're always trying to look and see what you got. Right, if a person gets a new car, they come in and looking, kicking the tires, walking around your car, looking through the window, and you come out the masjid. Oh, Subhanallah, this you, this you, this yours, this new. That type of brother, you probably not gonna want to invite him to come drink tea or coffee with you. Right? This guy's annoying. Like Subhanallah, you be making du'a and stuff, and asking Allah to protect you from the evil eye and all kind of things. Every time you see him around your stuff, right? So this type of person, you would typically and naturally have an aversion to him. Right? And the like. فَإِذَا إِسْتَغْنَى الْإِنسَانُ عَنْهُمْ But if a person is, right, um, how would you say? They have independence as it relates to what the people have. In other words, they don't make a big to-do of what the people have. They make dua for them. May Allah bless you with this particular thing. If they happen to take notice that it's new or what have you, or if they're informed about it, then that's it. They're not really, they're not over-concerned what you got and, you know, they're not worried about it. Right? If, 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 if there was an individual and they were like this, then that individual, the shaykh, he says, Nala, uh, then this, indiv- this individual, he will attain their, 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 how would you say, they will be impressed by such an individual. Such an individual, they will like. Because what do you feel? You feel, my property is safe around this person. He doesn't, he doesn't worry about it. You know? He'll look out for me. 
He's going to make sure no one hurt and touch it, but he's not concerned what I got, how much you got, how much this costs. He doesn't care. This person doesn't care. So you feel safe around this person. Your, your, your things feel safe around this person, right? And, 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 and you brothers, you may have experienced yani, uh, the like as we all have we live in life, but some individuals, you get a new phone, it's like you put it in your pocket, you don't even want them to see it. Because you know, he's going to be saying, oh, what's that one? That's the new one? That's this? That's that? Can, I, can I touch it? Can I feel it? It's like, yes, yeah, I don't know. It's just a phone. I mean, you know what I mean? This individual, the one that they don't really care about what the people got, this one, yani, he would, he would earn their love. This individual, he would earn their love. But if, and if he earns their love, right? Then he will be safe from their harm. Because some people, if they feel and they take a defensive posture from you, then what? Then they may do things to you preemptively that they think they have to do in order to save themselves from you. So they may harm you. They may intend bad for you. They may you know, they tell people, you know, uh, don't marry your, your women to this guy. This guy is always looking and see what other people got. You know, he's gonna make you gonna make your women start chasing after dunya and worrying about dunya and worrying about everyone got so on and so forth. Right? Don't invite this guy to your house. You're gonna be looking around and trying to see how much money you probably make and you looking where you live at and what you got and so on and so forth. Don't don't let him come in your house. You know, people might start treating you a certain way, and you may feel from them, you know, experience from them some of their evil. So the benefit the individual gets. From not being concerned and, and, and attached to these things is what is that the people will love them. But if you look now at the two things, what do you find? You find that they work together because when a person has zuhud in the dunya, the, the affairs of the dunya, they are they're not attached to them, right? The things of the dunya they really don't care about them. You, you understand? This doesn't mean go back to the phone for example. This doesn't mean they may not get the latest phone, right? If their contract is up or whatever the case is, their, their phone they had for a lot of years is bad, and you want to go to get a phone, they may say, you know what? If it's in their means, they could afford it. I'm going to get the flagship phone, newest model for whatever company that I want to get a phone from. Why? Because they may understand that cheap is expensive. Right? They may understand that cheap is expensive. Right? There was a um, Sheikh Muhammad Budur, Rahimahullahu Ta'ala, very beloved brother, um, good man upon Sunnah. He passed away some years ago. But in Egypt, he taught me this lesson. He taught me this lesson that cheap is expensive. Right? This was a life lesson he taught me. He was an older gentleman. Um, he, we, uh, I rented uh, three apartments from him actually beautiful man beautiful man uh, um, but one time he saw me because we, you know, we lived in the same building so we, we used to walk back and forth to the masjid together so he looked down at my shoes and he said you got another new pair of sandals I said yeah sheikh it was a good deal it was like 30 janay <laughs> 30 Janae at the time was like $8 maybe. It was nothing. It was very cheap, right? It was like 30 Janae. I said, yeah, it's a good deal. Like 30 Janae, stuff like that. He said, la. He said, rakhis ghali. He said, cheap is expensive. And I looked at him. And my you know, young man, 20s, I looked at him. I said, what? Huh? What do you mean? 
How cheap, expensive? I got a good deal. He said, this is like the fifth pair of sandals I've seen with this year. I said, well, yeah. He said, how, how much they all cost? I saw around 20-something, 30 Janae, 40 Janae. He said, yeah. And then what happens? Why you keep getting new ones? I said, well, the strap broke on this one. The heel fell off of that. You know, the sole fell off of that one. You know, he said, okay, add that up. How much you done spent? And I said, well, in the past year, maybe 100 Janae on shoes. He said, right. He said, these pair of shoes I have right here, they cost me 150 Janae. I had them for over 10 years. So who pays more? You or me? And I thought, I said, oh, whoa, okay. He said, yes, cheap is expensive. So sometimes you're better off putting up a little bit of money or something that you're going to keep for a long time. He taught me that lesson. He taught me that lesson, right? So I accordingly had, if you get the flagship phone, because you know, listen, I ain't going to buy another phone for at least another three, four years. Then alhamdulillah, you, 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 you get your money's worth out of it. Get your money's worth out of it. So that's good. Um, as long as what? The dunya is not in your heart. So when the dunya is not in your heart, you really don't care about these things. So you say, oh yeah, yeah, this one, why? Because I want to keep it for a long time. Not because I'm just, you know, got to get the latest and the greatest. I just want to keep it for a long time, so I invest in it, so I don't got to buy another one for a long time. So that's why, you know, alhamdulillah, it's not a problem for me. Right? That type of attitude, what? The dunya is not in your heart. If the dunya is not in your heart, then you're not going to care about what someone else has. Because what? The dunya is not in your heart. I don't care. Does it work good for you? You benefit from it? May Allah bless you with it. Alhamdulillah. It really doesn't care. So you find the two are connected. When you leave off the dunya, then it's easy to leave off what's in the hands of the people. Because you don't care. Right? And with that is also... Uh, your connection is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not with the people and what they have because people who are worried about what other people have typically are concerned and thinking about what potentially that person may be able to do for them. The Shaykh, Shaykh Fawzani brings a very beautiful line of poetry when explaining this, uh, two lines of poetry when explaining this hadith, uh, which go, it says, hajatan." <laughs> وَسَلِ الَّذِي أَبَوَابُهُ لَا تُحْجَبُ He says, do not ask the children of Adam for anything. حَاجَتًا Don't ask the children of Adam for anything. But rather ask the one who his doors are never closed. Ask the one who his doors are never closed. اللَّهُ يَبْضَبُ إِن تَرَكْتَ سُؤَالَهُ he said, because Allah gets angry with you when you don't ask him. But the children of Adam, once you ask them, get mad at you. This is the reality. Naam? So we always be asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The children of Adam, when we ask them, we ask you, ask you, ask you, ask, they get mad at you. Someone who every time he see you ask you for something, what happens? What do you do typically? You don't love seeing that person. You may even avoid that person. You may see him coming one way, turn around and go another direction, go around the corner. Because you know he's probably going to ask for something. Every time I see him, he asks me for something. Right? So, all of this enters, not asking the people, all of this enters into um, not being concerned with people's possessions. You're not concerned with their possessions. And when you're not concerned with their possessions, 
This will earn you their love, their admiration, and their respect. And from the benefit is that when people know that this is your characteristic, that you really don't ask for things, if you ever fall on hard times and you really are forced to ask, they're going to be quick to give because they know you really don't ask for anything. You hardly ever ask anyone for anything. Now I see you in a situation. Listen, I'm going to help you as much as I possibly can. Right? So uh, we always win when we apply these, these, these rules, these life lessons um, that we learn inside of the sunnah. Ma'am, because the sunnah, the Quran, this is a manual for how we live our life. In other words, this is we, the guidance from it is how we live our lives. Uh, the Shaykh, he mentions, he brings five benefits that we get from this hadith. The first benefit, he says, حِرْسُ الصَّحَابَ عَلَى مَا يَجْلِبُ لَهُ مَحَبَّةَ اللَّهِ وَمَحَبَّةَ النَّاسِ Is the Sahaba, they were very concerned to know what are those things in which that uh, if they did them, they will earn the love of Allah and earn the love of the people. They were concerned for this. Now, this was a concern of theirs. So we should keep this in mind, that we should strive to earn Allah's love, and likewise, we should strive to earn the love of the people. The second benefit we get from this hadith, is, is the affirmation of the characteristic of Allah that Allah loves. Naam, this is a proof that Allah loves. Jalla wa'ala. Naam. Thirdly, وَأَنَّ الْخَيْرَ لِلْعَبْدِ فِي مَحَبَّةِ اللَّهِ Naam. And that verily, that which is in the best interest of the, of, of the slave, right, then it will lie in Allah loving him. This is the best thing an individual can ever you know, hope for. Is that Allah will love them. The fourth thing that we learn from this hadith, and the mimma yajlibu mahabbat Allah as zuhr fi dunya, and this is a very important point. The Shaykh he says, wa anna mimma, and verily from that, in which will earn an individual the love of Allah, is that they leave alone those things that will preoccupy them from the remembrance of Allah in this world. This is from the things. Naam, meaning that what? There are other things you can do also to earn the love of Allah. Naam, so that is a very big concern. What are those things that I can do that will earn me the love of Allah? The ulama, they've taken so much concern as relates to it. They have authored books as relates to this topic. Naam, and chapters as relates to this topic. Things that you can do based on proofs and evidences from the book and the sunnah. That if you do them, Allah will love you. Naam. This is a very, 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 very important topic to study. Uh, fifthly, and lastly, He said, is that from an individual, from the benefits of an individual, um, having zuhud and as relates to what the people have with them meaning having no concern of people's possessions people's properties what they may have with them what they may own and possess Naam, then this is a reason that the people would have a love for that individual and this will also yani, earn him their good treatment and safeguard him from their evil and from their harm Naam. 
And then the Shaykh he goes on and gets into the next hadith, which is uh, tremendous, as all of these hadith are tremendous because all of them are principles of the religion. They are principles yani, uh, by way in which we construct and live our lives in accordance to. Uh, but inshallah ta'ala, we'll save that until the next time. فَنَكْتَفِي بِهَذَا الْقَدَرِ صلى الله عليه وسلم على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين وجزاكم الله خيرات.